This is Sunday morning worship service. I want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day on this May the 30th, 2021. Our guest speaker today is Reverend Mike Caps. Today's message is Everything is a Gift. We'll start out with the praise team singing Pledge of Allegiance. Let's start out singing the, the uh, Star Spangled Banner. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we have at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous night o'er the Be to be won. 
Appreciate you being here today again. God is so good to us. Amen. This morning, it's going to be a little bit different. May has been designated in the in the in the IPHC International Pentecostal Church. Uh, May has been designated as Retired Ministers Month. So this morning, we are going to honor one of our own. He don't know nothing about this yet. But anyway. <laughs> I don't really get to surprise many people. I don't get to surprise many people. I surprised him this morning, I think. But anyway. The information I have this morning is Brother James Michael Caps was born July the 26th, 1952. Brother Mike got saved October of 1975 at the Benson Pentecostal Holiness Church, church where he was a very active member. Now, if I could get everyone in this church to be as active as he was in his church, oh man, we'd get some things done around him. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Brother Mike served as a deacon, so he knows what pastors go through on the deacon board, don't you, brother? Brother Mike served as a deacon. He also served as vice president of the men's ministry. He also was a Sunday school assistant superintendent. Not only that, he, he was also a teenage Sunday school teacher. He was a choir member. Brother Mike also made the church bulletins. I don't know what anybody else done in that church. Eleven jobs at one time. And was paid well. As they tell us, your retirement is out of this world. Amen. While at Benson, Brother Mike received his mission worker's license in 1978. In September of 1980, Mike began his studies at Holmes Bible College in Greenville, South Carolina. He was 10 years older than most of his classmates. Working a part-time job, attending college full-time, 
with a family. Wow. In 1982, he became a licensed minister. And in May of 1984, graduated from Holmes Bible College with honors and was the class president. He's been active everywhere he's been, ain't he? In June of 1985, Mike became an ordained minister. Churches that Brother Michael pastored are Goose Creek, Pentecostal Holiness Church in Grantsboro, North Carolina. Weldon Pentecostal Holiness Church in Weldon, North Carolina. Liberty Pentecostal Holiness Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Lambs Grove Pentecostal Holiness Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Bethel Pentecostal Holiness Church in Bethel. Morris Chapel Pentecostal Holiness Church in Kinley, right, out, right outside Kinley off Highway 42. He was there for 12 years at Morris Chapel. Mike also drove an 18-wheeler for Airflow Company in Selma, North Carolina for 10 years. Mike is retired now and spends time with his wife, Janet, his two daughters, Jennifer Driver and husband, Kevin, Beth Capps, and three grandsons, Connor, Braden, and Asher. Mike and Janet now attend the Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church, where they became members in January of 1919. Where they became members in January of 2020, which I want to personally say this morning, uh, not only have they been a great blessing to the church family here at Fine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church, but Brother Mike and his wife also has been a great blessing to me personally. And I just thank the good Lord for that. I'm glad that the Lord has sent them our way. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to rise to your feet and give Brother Reverend Mike Capps a great big Pine Level welcome as he comes and breaks the bread of life this morning with a message from the Lord. Brother Mike, we love you today. We thank God for you. Bless you. Preach the word. Love you, my friend. My, 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 what an introduction. He did much better for me than I did for him at Pastor Appreciation Day. I had no idea it was Retired Minister's Month. In fact, uh, the only thing I thought this month was about, I, I do know, I learned recently that this is what's called Pride Month. And um, this is a little bit in sermon that I was going to leave out because I didn't really think had time. But I learned that it was Pride Month and that uh, Kellogg's cereal has put out a box of cereal together with pride to uh, celebrate uh, LGBTQ, whatever it is. And I went to the grocery store looking for it so I could use it for an object lesson, part of the sermon today, but I didn't find any on the shelf. Uh, if I'd have went to a metropolitan area, I might would have found it, but maybe the things that are pushing us into a corner hadn't quite gotten to hurt us in our small community and maybe the people there just didn't want to put it on their shelves. But uh, every box of that that was sold was supposed to enable $3 to go to the organization that's called GLAD with two A's to uh, promote acceptance and for, well to, uh, I believe it was to promote acceptance and, uh, and 
and understanding to that. So, uh, so I just put that out for you. That was that'll be in part of today's message. And uh, this is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm dressed up from the waist up, and dressed down from the waist down. And the reason for that is uh, it was intentional. Uh, I actually prayed about it and said, Lord, uh, could I wear this or could I not wear this? And the Lord didn't say I could or couldn't. It seemed like it didn't matter to him. So what I was going to say, if it didn't matter to him, it shouldn't matter to you. Amen. Um, so i tell you one of the reasons that I, I didn't know I was going to start out like this, but when... He mentioned I'd been at Moore's Chapel for 12 years. Uh, after that, I tried to I tried to stay in the pastorate. I um, I worked as a handyman, uh, bought a van, and that failed. My brother-in-law he he helped uh, he he paid me more than I was worth to work with him. You know he helped me. And my sister and him helped me. They helped me in the first church. Uh, they helped me financially in my first church. Uh, it was a blessing to take my family to uh, to another town where uh, that they could get an ice cream cone. Uh, that was that was the highlight. That was you know how how we made that. So I know what it is to really be down. At, at the beginning where some of the old preachers used to talk about. Uh, and, but my last attempt at the ministry of pastoring was at a small church that I could have commuted to. This was after Moore's Chapel. And um, this church had less than 20 people in it. And it only had two members in it. Two, two voting members in it. <laughs> and, I, and it wasn't just a tryout sermon. In fact, I was with them for a few weeks. But, but uh, what I did on Wednesday night was I came in on Wednesday night with my blue jeans on and I gave them a Bible study. And uh, it weren't but a few weeks later that, I, that the superintendent called me up or the bishop called me up and said they, they decided that they were looking for something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I tried, and, and I still preached. I still attended church. In fact, in fact, I went to a Baptist church for five years. Five years, and uh, I went there because I had family in that church for the main reason, and because you know it didn't really seem to matter that much, and there weren't no need to drive too far because you know. Uh, it, it was just the way it was. I, and somebody could, somebody, and I have, peop, I have had people ask me, said, how in the world can a credentialed Pentecostal holiness preacher sit in a Baptist church for five years? And my answer was, well, the Baptists don't care how much you cry. You know, they don't, they don't care how much you cry. So really, when I get still, and when I go to crying, that's the closest, I feel the closest to the Lord that I can get 
Whenever you see me, whenever you see me over there all by myself and I'm quiet and I'm just weeping before the Lord, you can know, you can know that I'm where I need to be with Him. That's where the Lord gets me. I can go through the shout and I can even go through the dance and I can go through that. But, but you know, that's what I told him. I said, the Baptists don't care how much you cry. And, uh, it's, but we were, in a, we were in what I'd call a hybrid Baptist church anyway. They clapped their hands. They raised their hands. They said, Amen. In fact, in fact, there was one particular service where the preacher didn't really preach that day. And it started out at the piano, that's where, that's where um, Bobby Wall stopped. He stopped at the piano when he came down from the choir, and Bobby Wall had cancer. He'd been fighting cancer. And he had a good attitude through it all. It didn't make him bitter. It didn't make him sour. In fact, he was a pleasant person. He had a peace in his heart. And he began to testify about thanking the Lord for how good the Lord had been to him. And then, and then after his testimony, another one stood up and they gave their testimony about how good the Lord had been to them. And then another one. And then another one. And I'll tell you, absent from speaking in tongues, it was one of the best services that I've ever been in in all my life. It was just as powerful and just as real and just as moving as anything I'd ever been in. And somebody could say, well, preacher, how can you sit five years without speaking in tongues? Listen to this doctrine, once saved, always saved. When you get up and walk out the door, well, if it works for them, I've got a sister that I conducted her funeral one of the things I said about her in that funeral was that she was a better witness than I was. She talked, the Lord, talked about the Lord. She could take a conversation and turn it around where people, she began to witness to people about the Lord and salvation. And for her, once saved, always saved. Work for her. I mean, she got saved and she stayed saved. I can't say that about me. I mean... I got saved and backslid and got saved and backslid. And, and uh, so uh, that question is, how can you sit in church like that? Not Well, I didn't walk out the door on her. So, uh, you know, some things don't really matter. They're not worth arguing about. Not worth losing sleep. Not worth getting upset about and falling out with somebody over. So how can a Pentecostal holiness preacher sit through and not speak in tongues in five years? And my answer to that is the same way that some of you sit in this church and not speak in tongues in five years. I mean, you're in a church where sometimes the fire falls. You're in a church sometimes where the Spirit of God really begins to move. And yet you're able to sit still there. How can you tell me how can I sit still in a different environment when you're in an environment where it's falling and you're still sitting still? When's the last time you spoke in tongues? When's the last time that the Holy Ghost moved in your life? Amen. You know, that's the part I was going to leave out of this message today. <laughs> I prepared this message, and believe me, believe me, 
I was going to leave all that out. I was going to start out and say, I've got this message just as lean as I can get it. Leaving all the fat out of it. All the filler. But uh, evidently, evidently somebody needs to hear that today. Amen. I'm going to get back up here and get started then. In fact, I'm not even going to do what I was going to do. Uh, I, I mean, it won't work like I was going to say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. Amen. And start out with a declaration about the Word of God. So, so now that I didn't do that, I did do that. So I did do that, didn't I? Amen. Got you all messed up, don't I? Amen. So let's start with the first slide. I want to speak to you this morning about everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. I wrote that down. I wrote that down. Well, I wrote, I wrote something else down last Sunday night. But everything is a gift. Pastor Jerry mentioned that I drove a truck for 10 years. Well, that's what I did. My last attempt to, to be in the pastorate, I, I didn't end up going back into the pastorate. I, I preached a little bit. I don't preach as often as I used to, but I still preach a little bit. And, and somehow or another, it all, it all wound around that I ended up being a truck driver. And, um, and I learned that everything at one time or another is on a truck. Everything in this building, even the microphone I'm holding, has been on a truck at one time or another. Everything. It may have started out in a container in China, a lot of it, but it ended up on a truck before it got to your house. Amen. So everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything. But this morning I've got a, I thought about saying this about the pastor says, I, I got something for you, for you to do, Brother Mike. I want you to go pick up a load at God's warehouse. And I want you to bring it back on May 30th and deliver it. And it's a critical load. I want you to know that load's heavy. And uh, I brought some heavy loads over the mountains and, and they have automatic transmissions in their trucks now. But, the, but all the ones I drove, had, had, you had to give it this. You know, you had to work it. And when you get in Raleigh traffic, after you've driven from... Uh, Kentucky and gone over the mountains and everything and you and you have changed those gears and you've been up since about four o'clock in the morning when you finally get into Raleigh about five o'clock right when the traffic's the heaviest and you're give out and you're and you're you're still mashing that clutch in and your leg is so your leg is so tired you know and and you know how it is just move up one at a time trying to get home and it a heavy Heavy cargo back there. But here it is. Everything is a gift. I've pulled up to the, I've swung the doors open. I've backed up to the dock and I'm ready to get it off. 
one of the best feelings that a truck driver has is when, when that cargo in the trailer is empty and you got your bill of lading signed and it's light all the rest of the way. So I'm looking forward to the amen to this message. Amen. amen. Did we get that? Everything is a gift. Next one, please. This is our scripture for today. I really have two. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Thou, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And what that means by that is, Timothy, what you have heard from me, I want you to teach it to others so that they can teach it to others. So that it can go on and on and on and on. It's just a process. An ongoing process. And it goes from one generation to another. It goes from one person to another. And, and, the, and the blessings and the knowledge that God has given us, we are to give that to somebody else. <laughs> I, I do not want what I have learned to die with me. There are some messages, this one in particular, that I want somebody to grasp today. I want somebody to grasp the part of this message that is toward the end that I grasped many years ago that has stayed with me that I have referred to on some occasions over and over again and now have finally brought it into a message, I, it is my desire that someone will grasp it and that it will impact you like it impacted me and one day you'll tell somebody else about it. Or you'll, it'll go on and on and on. That's what Paul was wanting to happen in Timothy's life. Now Paul called Timothy my own son in the faith. Timothy was fatherless. His mother and his grandmother raised him. And when Paul met Timothy... He took him under his wing. He took him under his arm and, and sort of adopted him as his own son. And Timothy began to follow Paul not only in life, but also in ministry. And Paul referred to him as my own son in the faith. Did you know that Timothy wanted to be just like Paul? Wanted to be just like his spiritual Father, He wanted to imitate him. He wanted to follow him. He wanted to be able to do what he had been taught to do. So he, he wanted to be like Paul. But Paul said to Timothy, said, Timothy, God has given you a gift. I want to remind you of that gift. And Timothy, you are to stir up the gift that is in you. Right. That God has given you. God gave you something and you yourself must learn to stir this gift up, whatever it takes. You got to stir it up. In fact, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy. In the first letter, he said, Timothy, neglect not the gift that God has given you. Don't neglect it. Don't treat it carelessly. Don't disregard it. Don't view it as something that is insignificant, 
but value the worth of it. It is what makes you who you are. It is what gives you the ministry that you have. So you are not to neglect it, Timothy. You'll see times when you don't feel like doing it. But don't you lay it aside. You've got to hold on to it. And you've got to use it for the glory of God. That's why God gave it to you. So don't neglect it. And then in the second letter, he wrote, you've got to stir up that gift that is within you. You've got to fan it into flame. You've got to feed what God has given you. You've got to feed your faith. You've got to add to your faith. You've got to exercise your faith. So stir it up, Timothy. Stir it up. Amen. Timothy was a young man. His Timothy sounds like the timid young man that he was. I remember when I was first called to preach, Cheryl Pope in Dunn, North Carolina, just a few miles down the road, called me up and says, I heard God's called you to preach. And Cheryl Pope, he would give a young person an opportunity. So I went to him and went to his church and preached for him. And when I got done preaching, he gave me some sort of fatherly advice as a preacher. Now, Cheryl Pope was one of the happiest men I've ever known. He'd preach himself happy. I have seen the time that I preached myself happy. I've seen the time that the Word of God got so good to me that it got to bubbling up in me while I was preaching. And I mean, I just got beside myself and got happy. Cheryl Pope was a happy preacher. Maybe some of that rubbed off on me. But one of my favorite scriptures is in Psalm 119 and 162. 162. That's right, the verse 162, verse 162. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. I rejoice that thy word is one that findeth great spoil. Just like you should, you should get excited about the word of God just like you won the lottery. Amen. I want you to know if one of you, we don't gamble, we have the church lottery, don't we? <laughs> if we were giving away a TV or something and, and you won it, you might get excited. Amen. But we should get excited about the Word of God. It should do something for us in, in that manner. But anyway, back to Cheryl Pope. He was a happy man. When, when, when he put that roll of money in my hand, you know, they received an offering for me. And... I mean, it was a big roll. I, I really needed it. I was, I was, uh, I was uh, well, no, I didn't really need it. <laughs> Not then. But I, t- I remember taking it anyway. <laughs> I remember taking it anyway. It was $22. Uh, I remember one offering I got like that, that when I got back home, the refrigerator quit working. I'd lost everything in the, in the refrigerator and had to spend all that money I'd made just to get the refrigerator fixed because I couldn't really afford to buy a new one. had to fix the old one. Anyway, he told, this is what Cheryl Pope told me. He said, son, you did a good job tonight, but you need to learn how to let go. 
That's what he said. He said, we're Pentecostal folk. You're going to have to learn how to let go. <laughs> oh, my. All right, I'm going on now. There, uh, and here's the ver next verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is the gift of God. Everything is a gift from God. Again, I say everything is a gift from God. Lest anyone should boast. I got two verses down here. I'm, 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 I'm not going to read them for the sake of time. But, but, from, but from Jeremiah, he says, Let not the, the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him glory in knowing and understanding me, what I've done for you. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, how that the apostle Paul goes through all of those things about who he was, what he had done. You know, the Lord almost smote me when I raised my hand and said I had 11 jobs at one time. Because in a minute you're going to find out what the message is about. Uh, almost, almost smote me because I had, I, had, I had to tell myself that I was boasting in the Lord and not in my own accomplishments. But I did have a lot of jobs in church. But when the Lord, but when I left to go to Bible school and be trained for the ministry, somehow they were all filled. Somebody took them. When he, when he made mention of the fact that I was teacher in teenage class, one of, the, one of the things that blessed me the most was one of those teenagers that I taught in that class became the teacher of that class. Joe Dan Lee, remember him, remember him well. But that, that's, that's wonderful. I think that's a wonderful thing. But they, but they, uh, but they replaced me. I was not irreplaceable. It doesn't matter what you're doing for the Lord. All of us are replaceable. Some of us should be replaced. Amen. I held a revival at a place one time and... Oh, I don't need to go there. <laughs> In that revival, they shut it down. They shut it down. I wanted the sermon... The sermon that, that I preached about was about David and Goliath and how Goliath came out and the Bible says that he defied the armies of Israel. For 40 days, Goliath came out and he defied the armies of Israel. Little David come up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the God of Israel? Who does he think he is? Well, the rest of them were trembling. They said, he's about nine feet, nine or ten feet tall. That's who he is. Got all of us trembling in our boots. And David said, little David says, well, I'll take care of him. We know the story. 
And I remember, I remember waxing bold in that revival. I didn't tell you where it was at, did I? I thank God for that. I, I, I remember jumping over the altar rail in that service. And I preached about a defiant spirit. Spirit of defiance that defied the people of God and the God of those people. How Goliath shook his fist and says, Who is your God? And who are you kind of people to serve and follow a God like that? You're nothing. Come out and face me. I'll feed your flesh to the birds of the air. The vultures will come after I'm through with you. That's all that will be left of you. Something for the vultures to come by and eat. A defiant spirit had that church in a death grip. And God had sent me there to pound at it and say, I defy. Ah, you defy me, I defy you. I take authority of you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You get out of this place. And the people traded him for me. Shut the revival down. <laughs> Woo-wee. Didn't want to have nothing to do with spiritual warfare. But we're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. In the next slide, I'd like for you to, in a moment, I want you to, I'd like for you to say this together. But I want you to think about what you're saying. What I mean is, I don't want you to parrot it. You know, parrots don't understand what they're saying. A parrot doesn't understand the thing they say. You can teach them to see, to say hello. You can teach them to say night-night uh, or all these kind of things. You, you've probably heard this joke before that there was a, a man who owned a, a bar and he had a parrot in there. And parrots don't know what they're saying. Now, that was a nasty bird. I mean, some of the people that went to that bar had, uh, had a foul mouth and, uh, and, and, and uh, they taught that bird some awful things. And whenever, and whenever everybody go to, you know, drinking and having a party and a good time and, and, and they get all started up and they'd, and, they'd, and they'd say something to the parrot and the parrot would say it back. It was just all fun and laughter, wasn't it? Having a good time. That was probably one of the best bars there were around with the parrot in it and, and everybody just having a good time. Even the parrot, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what he was saying. Anyway, anyway, they got tired of that bird and, and they sold him. And then the preacher bought him. <laughs> so the preacher bought, brought the parrot to church with him. And this is how the joke goes, says... Uh, Says a different place, but the same crowd. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh-oh. So parrots don't understand what, parrots don't understand what they say. But this is what I wrote down last Sunday night at the end of the service. Everything I have is a gift from God. There is no room for pride in my life. And I'm going to ask you to say that, those of you that will. You know, 
Okay, uh, y'all, y'all been sitting down a while. Let's all stand and I'm going to ask you to say it. Here we go. One, two, three. Everything I have is a gift from God. There is no room for pride in my life. Amen. You may be seated. No room. No room for pride in my life. One of the most familiar and quoted, often quoted scriptures, people that don't even, have not even read the Bible, that don't even come to church, go to church, know this. Sometimes when a person is, is caught, they say, they quote this verse, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. We've all heard that before, haven't we? Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride and haughty. Two, two words that are so closely associated and, and alike. The word pride means to swell. That's where you get the word big head from. A person that is proud is often referred to as big-headed. And then haughty comes from a word that means height or lofty. Means the, it's, it's part of the word is the neck that supports the head. And, and it's stretched, up, stretched upwards, you know. You know how people that are proud and haughty have a way that sometimes it's visible on them. When I was preparing this message, it was about like the time that I bought a new car. And after I bought that new car, everywhere I looked, it seemed like everybody else had one. I mean, I didn't really notice, I didn't really notice that car, those cars till I bought mine. And then I began to notice them everywhere. And when I began to pray, prepare this message and as the Lord was working on me, I began to see those things all around me. I mean, I, I began to see pride. Even, even watched a preacher on television and, 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 I was li- and, and my wife says, my wife says uh, uh, how do you think he's doing? And I said, I think he's doing pretty good. But I think there's something wrong with his body language. You know, his, his, his body language is not lining up with the words that he says. And I says, I, I think he's a little cocky. And uh, I said, what do you think? And uh, she didn't really agree. What, I don't remember what she said. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but I mean, he... <clears throat> He, he, while he was preaching, I thought to myself, he was condescending. He was acting like he knew more than the people he was talking to. That he was smart and they were stupid. I mean, it was just the way that he looked and the way that his body expressions were about. That, that, he, was, that he, was on, he was on one level and they were on another. That somehow another... That they just didn't know what he 
knew and, 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 and that's just the way it came across to me. I said, oh, I may be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But the body language was different than the message was. I mean, it's like, it's like when uh, even President Lincoln was in a service one time and, he's, and, he, and the preacher back then was preaching on hell. And, and the, the, the conversation went about about who believed in it and who didn't. And uh, President Lincoln said, well, well, he believes it. While he's preaching it, he believes it. In fact, I've heard it said, if a man's going to preach on hell, he hadn't ought to preach without tears running down his face. Hadn't like he didn't want anyone to go there. That he was pleading and, and passionate in that. And, and I also believe that. The body language needs to follow pursuit in that. But there is an element about pride that when you begin to deal with pride, it's like peeling an onion. When you peel a one, away one layer, there's another layer. And when, you when you're dealing with pride, you discover that there are many levels to be dealt with. That pride not only is something that you can see on the surface and it is very evident, but sometimes it goes to the hidden part of a man's being. It has things like 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Paul says, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We've renounced the things that you can't even see. There's some things that we have done away with that are very evident, but we've renounced the things that even you can't see. So I want to speak to you this morning about four areas where pride should not be found in our lives. Because I'm talking about me. I have a problem with pride. In fact, when, when I raised my hand, had 11 jobs. You know, like I said, I was almost smitten. Are you boasting of that? And I, and I, and I, and I quickly began to talk to myself and say, well, I'm, glory, I'm boasting in the Lord. The Lord helped me do all that. The fact of the matter is, I was spread so thin that I don't think I did any of them too well. Think about that. Some people need to find out what God really wants them to do and do just that. That's right. Some churches need to find out what God wants them to do and do just that. And say no to everything else. Right. And forget about the pride that's there and worrying about what other people will say if you're not doing what you used to do. If they show up at the door and they're looking for what they used to get and it's not there anymore. And you realize you can tell them, well, what we did then worked then, but it's not working now. Right. And we have abandoned it. We're not doing it anymore. You know, we've gone to cooking hamburgers and sticking with hamburgers. We found out that when we tried to cook everything and tried to satisfy everybody that we had to hire so much help that we really couldn't do it and our business was failing. So we're back to cooking hamburgers. So all you're going to get when you come here is a hamburger. 
If you want chicken, you got to go to the other place. If you want hot dogs, you got to go to the other place. If you want roast pork, you got to go to the other place because we do hamburgers. And that's what we do, and we try to do it the best we can, and everybody that loves hamburgers, they're satisfied. And that's what God wants us to do. We're not trying to please everybody, and we're not trying to do what everybody else is doing. Come on now. This is where you can say amen. This is where the preachers come out in the aisle. This, I must have hit something. Oh, glory to God. I feel that. I feel that. Yes, I feel that. Mm-mm-mm. You know, that's what evangelists do. You ever watch them preach? And when the church gets to moving and responding, that's where they stay a little while. Oh, my. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Pride of face. In the Chinese culture, it's all about relationships. How you fit into the group, the, the collective. And to lose face within the group is one of the most awful things that can happen to a person in the Chinese culture. For them to be ostracized, marginalized, to be set aside, to lose face is comparison to losing honor, to losing one's reputation, to be losing one's standard, for someone to no longer say, I ain't going to listen to that. But the Chinese to lose face In John chapter 8, we're all familiar with that story. How that the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman that they had caught in the very act of adultery. And they brought her to Jesus not for redemption, not for salvation, but so that they might find something to accuse Jesus of so that they could discredit His ministry and that He would lose his popularity with the people and that they would walk away from him and that they would diminish his ministry and render him without effect. That was the whole reason behind that. They And they asked him a question. Says it's in our law that this woman should be stoned. What do you say? It was almost like if he said, there's some things that you can't say that just won't be right. It doesn't matter how you answer the question. Somebody will disagree with you. You just can't be right. If Jesus would have said she needs forgiveness, they would have said, what about the law? And if Jesus would have said, this is what the law says, they'd have said, what about forgiveness? And either way, He would have lost the argument. 
and would have lost his standing and therefore he would be declared unfit to teach anymore or to be unworthy of being listened to anymore. But we know the story, don't we? Jesus stooped down and began to write on the ground. I wonder what it, have you ever wondered what Jesus wrote on the ground? Have you ever wondered about the things that the Bible leaves out? All the things that, that we have questions about that, that God doesn't give us the answers to. You ever, you ever thought about that? Now that's what a preacher does. A preacher reads between the lines. That's where the biggest part of the content of his message comes from. The part, the part that's not really in there. The part where he's supposed to get along with God and say, Lord, what does this really mean? What, how can I communicate this to the people? What are you saying? What does it really mean? Oh, my. But I think that I can, you, each of us comes up with our own answer, whatever Jesus wrote on the ground. But when he got up, you know what Jesus said. He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. What an answer. Most of the time, Jesus answered a question with a question. That was, that was his manner of teaching. If you came up to Jesus and you asked him a question, he would ask you a question. That's what psychologists do, but they learned it from Jesus. They barred it from him, but they won't give him any credit for it. But Jesus, on this occasion, instead of asking a question, he made a statement. And then the Bible says that they were all from the oldest one to the youngest one. They were, their heart was condemned, and they dropped their stones and walked away. And then Jesus did what they didn't expect him to do. He just went ahead and forgave that woman and says, go and sin no more. But he didn't lose face on that occasion. In fact, he taught us a great lesson on that occasion. I may stay on this one a little while. I got 15 minutes for 12 o'clock. FBI Most Wanted the other night on that program, it was about a couple of people in a law firm, and one of the men had been promoted to partner in the law firm above the other. And the man that was not promoted, he did something where he took a photograph of a man with a younger girl, and he took this man's face and put it on that photograph and uploaded it to the internet on social media. And then that man was confronted by it and he lost his job. He lost his wife and children. He was devastated. And he went off on a shooting spree. And when the FBI began to look at it and analyze the photograph, they found out that it was something called a deep fake. You young people know what a deep fake is. That's when, that's when artificial intelligence can take even 
the views of a person and, and they said the shadows in his face don't match the rest of his body. This, this is a deep fake. This man did not do that. Now he, 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 had, he, had got in a, he, he had got in a disagreement and it had escalated and he ended up shooting somebody and he was on the run and he was ready to shoot others. He was ready to shoot himself and his life was just devastated and the FBI finally came up to him and, and they told him that they knew he was innocent of that and not to leave his family behind that even though he'd be in prison at least he would be alive to see his children grow up but we have something in our society that goes right along with that this that's very relevant today we got cancel culture there are people that'll smear you there are people that will that will bully you that will do some things to just take away all your standing in society. I call it sinister. What we see on the surface comes from an invisible source. What, what we see displayed where we can see it comes from something that is deeper within. We hear about hate crimes, which carries the offenses to a whole new level. In Galatians 5.20, the word hatred is a work of the flesh. It's something that must be sanctified. It must be put under the blood. But there's also a spiritual or supernatural entity and influence. And it is a spirit of hatred that causes people to do that to other people. James 3 and 15 through 18 says that there is a uh, contrast between two kinds of wisdom. He said there is a wisdom from above. That is, there is a wisdom from heaven that is, first of all, it's peaceable. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's wonderful. It, it creates the fruit of righteousness in them that sow it. But then he says there's a wisdom that doesn't descend from heaven. It comes from another source. And he says in the King James Version, it says it is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. Another version of the Scripture says that it is worldly, it is self-centered, and it is demonic. I lost some of you right there. So if it is in the supernatural realm, it must be fought in a different realm than the physical. The battle must be fought and won on that level. And then we have the pride of place. In India, they have the caste system, pride of place. Okay. The caste system has entrenched itself in their culture for over 3,000 years. There are four levels in the caste system. What is that? The caste system is just the levels of society. Four of them. And in the caste system of India, whatever one that you're born in is the one that you remain in all your life. You very seldom, if ever, get out of it. So if you were born in poverty, you stay in poverty. If you were born in riches, you stay in riches. If you worked 
If you worked hard, you worked hard all your life. If you had an easy job, you had an easy job all your life. There was no way to migrate from one level to another. You were locked in. That's what the caste says. You were in your place. Whatever place you were born in was the place that you stayed in and you had no idea or, or hope that you would ever get out of it. It's just locked in. In the... In the United Kingdom, you may call it England, you may call it Britain, there are at least five levels. Some say that there are seven levels of a social strata. Some of us have seen, you know, Downton Abbey. You either, you either own the mansion or you work in the mansion. You're either upstairs where you've got servants waiting on you or you're downstairs climbing up, or you're climbing up and downstairs all day, and, and you're staying away from everything. You're, 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 you're just a servant. They're up here, you're down here. The aristocracy and the peasantry. And for the most part, that's where you're going to stay. There is a strata called the working class and the uh, intellectual working class, that somehow or another they've worked themselves up another rung on the ladder. But what do we do? We put people in different places, don't we? I remember when I was coming up, some people were in one place and other people were in another. We had churches that were on, on one side of the railroad tracks and on the other. Towns were split by the railroad track. The society was divided into one segment after another. But in America, even though we have uh, those things, there is such a thing that is still alive today. The American dream is still alive today. Uh, in my research, I found the 50 states that had the richest man in each state. And some of the testimonies is one of them had $250 and made it into $5 billion. You know, so you can have the American dream. In America, you can go from rags to riches. And that's why so many people are leaving their places all around the world and coming to America for that dream and for that opportunity and for that ability to go from here to over here. And it can happen and, and you're not supposed to be held back. If you'll work hard and you'll dream, the opportunity can be yours today. Amen. In John chapter 1 and verse 46. The question was asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know that little town. Don't have many people in it. There are so many people that God has used that He has brought from nothing to everything. In fact, God likes to use people like that. When you read 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says not many noble are called, not many mighty are called, the intellectual aren't so much called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He has chosen the things that are nothing to bring to naught the things that are. God has chosen the things that are small to do great and mighty things. Amen. Most of the preachers that you listen to have come from small beginnings. All the churches that are big today were once small. Everything grows in God's kingdom 
with His hand of blessing upon it. And there's one thing that you can do in the kingdom of God. You can go just as far as your faith will take you. You can go just as far as your faith and your will and your activity will take you. You can go, you can go from the guttermost to the uttermost. Right. God can raise you up. Amen. God has raised us up. God can lift you up. There's something about the gospel message that is called the gospel lift that wherever it's preached and wherever people accept it, they're lifted out of poverty. They're lifted out of ignorance. They're lifted out of sickness and sorrow. And God sets their feet on a rock. Man. And God does that for them. He elevates them. Yes, he does. That's what the gospel does. That's why it's good news. That's why it's the good news of glad tidings. Because it has a lift to it. Because it doesn't leave you down there. It lifts you up and causes you to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can go just as far as you want to go with God. He says, Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart even. When you're delighting in the Lord, you won't be asking for things that the Lord doesn't want you to have. But he'll give you those things. He said, Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right. He won't hold you back. He'll let you go forward. The world may try to hold you back, but God is for you. He's not against you. Right. He says, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a hope and a future. I'm here that you might have life and then that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. That's what he comes to give us. He comes to give us joy for our sorrow. He comes to give us peace for our storms in our life. He comes to give us wholeness and healing for our sicknesses and our infirmities. You can exchange all of your junk and God will give you treasure for it. He's the only place that you can come and bring all your mess and bring all your junk and leave it with Him and walk out with the riches of the kingdom. Right. and peace in your heart God will give you that he's not going to keep you in a place that's here he's going to lift you up and, and give you something that is worth living for amen glory to God Woo, glory to God pride of place pride of race Bear with me, I'm going to move quick. I ain't going to stay on this one very long. In fact, two of the hottest issues in our culture today are race and gender. Woo-wee! I feel like I need an oven mitt just to touch it this morning. Oh! The government's ready to shut the church down if they don't shut their mouth about these two issues. You better watch what you say. Collaborating with Toby Mack and Kirk Franklin, a black gospel singer by the name of Mandisa wrote the contemporary gospel song, We All Bleed the Same. All lives matter. When I say all lives matter, that doesn't make me a racist. I mean all lives matter. 
Every one of them. Unborn lives matter. Older lives matter. Children that are and people that are deformed and broken matter. All lives matter. Whether they can contribute anything or not. They're a gift from God. Every soul in this world is a gift from God. Doesn't matter how they got here. Doesn't matter the reason they're here. Even if a child is born out of, out of, out of something that is so tragically like rape or incest or anything. If you don't want a child, somebody else does. Don't murder it. All lives matter. People are lined up. There are couples that are couples that are waiting in line for a child because they're barren. And they're ready to take the one that you don't want. So don't murder it. All lives matter. This is, I didn't write the whole song. It is a long song. We all bleed the same. It's one of the longest gospel songs. You know, for a while, for a while, I sort of didn't like some gospel music because it didn't have but two verses in it. And uh, I need about three verse. I need at least three verses before I make up my mind if I'm going to get into it or not. I'm, 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 I'm one of those people that when the Lord gets to moving, that I just don't jump right in. I wait just a little while. Sometimes I wait too long. I'm like some of you. I wait so long that it's over and then I can't get on the bus. I mean, the bus is already pulled out of the station and I'm left behind and I didn't get that blessing. Somebody, and, and, and the Lord's trying to deal with me and get me to do something and then I wait so long that somebody else gets up and they do it and they get my blessing. That happens, I ain't the only one it happens to. But I'm one of those folks that, that you know, I'm waiting. If, if they're going to do the course a couple of times, I'm just waiting. If they do it one more time, I'm going to go now. You know, here I am. I'm, I'm, about, I'm, I, I, I'm about to get my praise on. Amen. If we, you know, we, we're so white, we don't hardly know what that is. You know what that is, don't you? I want you to know that that church where I was in revival and I jumped all the, over the altar rail, I weren't really anointed when I did that. I just felt like jumping over the altar rail and God said I couldn't. I mean, God didn't say I, God didn't say I couldn't. He said it didn't matter to Him. <laughs> Oh, me. You know, church sometimes gets good right before it's time to quit. Just, just about the time that we quit on God, He's just getting started with us. Woo-wee. Hallelujah. Just about the time that we get ready to quit on God, that's when God has just got started with us. <clears throat> True. Amen. Well, I want the Holy Ghost, but if God don't give it to me by 10 minutes to 12, I'll never get it. 
Do you know why I'm holding this microphone today? I like the microphone that the preacher's got. I like that thing where I'm not encumbered. I like that microphone around my neck so that I can have two hands free. Because really, I'm a two-handed preacher. I'm not a one-handed preacher. I'm a two-handed preacher. Sometimes, when I really get to preaching, I need both hands to do what I want to do. But I intentionally am holding this microphone this morning. I'm uncomfortable holding the microphone. I feel like it holds me back. But I told Joey this morning, I says, I want to hold the microphone. I want to be at a disadvantage this morning. I want to be, I want to be at my weakest point this morning. Because I've learned that when I am weak, that's when he is strong. That's right. When I don't have anything, that's when he supplies it. When I give up on God, that's usually when he comes through for me. When I've quit praying and started to walk away, I've heard the Spirit of God say, well, if you'll turn around and just give it one more try. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the third time we sing that chorus. I know we've sung choruses. We've tried to work it up before instead of praying it down. I know that we've tried to do it in the flesh. I know that we can have church if we want to and do it and do it. If God doesn't even show up, we can go through the motions. But I want you to know another thing. When you can do that if you want to, and you can go on and on and on if you want to like that, but it will not bring forth any lasting fruit. But when God and you get connected and the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, Praise God, praise God, praise God. When God gets a hold of you, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. When you really let God have his way, praise the Lord. Some of you ain't gonna lift up your hand for nothing now because you're afraid this old preacher gonna slap it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm gonna do what I praise God. I'm gonna walk behind you. All right, come on. You know the other side. Well, let's come on. Let's 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 walk all the way around. You know this microphone don't have a cord to it. The microphones used to have a cord to them, but now you can get out and you can get on with it. You can. You don't have to wait. Amen. You can circle around this place. I tell you, the angel of the Lord encompasses them that, that fear his name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Holy Ghost. Oh, Spirit of God. 
Move on us. Feel somebody with the Holy Ghost this morning. Glory to God. Heal. Feel somebody with the Holy Ghost today, Lord. Oh, Lord, refill somebody with the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm proud of you all this morning. You did that without music. Hallelujah. Praise God. I think you done found out that the word of God's like finding great spoil. Praise the Lord. Went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Hallelujah. Oh, Satan's under my feet this morning. Glory to God. He may win the battle before this week is over. He may take me down, but I'm gonna tell you that Jesus is Lord in my life this morning. Glory to God. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. Glory to God. He is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be magnified and exalted and glorified. He is the King of glory. Hallelujah. He is the King of glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm about to finish up. I'm about to finish up with pride of grace. Pride of grace ain't nothing but self-righteousness. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, what chapter is it in in the book of Luke? Anyway, it's in Luke's gospel. Says that Pharisee went up to the house of the Lord to pray. And he says, I thank my God that I'm not like other men are. Oh, this is what I do for you, Lord. I pay my tithes, I fast. Oh, I do all these things. And I'm so glad I'm not like that man that's on the other side of this altar. I'm so glad I ain't like that other person in the church. Oh, oh Lord, I just, he was just thanking the Lord for that. And then there was this man, the Bible says, that he just smote his chest. He beat his chest and he says, oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I want you to know that this man who was a sinner, that everybody thought that he was no count, that he weren't worth nothing. He went to his house justified and that other man didn't get nothing from the Lord. His pride blocked the blessings of God. His pride kept the Lord from really blessing him and making him what he wanted to be. He left the house of God the same way that he came in the house of God. But this other man, I want you to know that he left justified. He left saved and he left sanctified. And he was blessed of the Lord. And Jesus said, I want you to know that everybody that exalts themselves shall be brought down. And everybody that humbles themselves shall be lifted up. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. If you'll just humble yourself, you don't pray for humility. You don't want God to humble you. If God has to humble you, you'll be humiliated. In every instance, the Bible tells us to humble ourselves. It's something you've got to do. You've got to get pride out of your life. Whether it's found in the face or in the place 
or in the race or in grace. You've got to get pride out of your life. And when you do, the blessings of God can enter into your life right. and you'll overflow just like the land of Go Canaan. You'll know, what it, you'll know what it is to live in the land that flows with milk and honey. You'll know what it is to live in the land where grapes of Eskol grow. You'll know what it is. Praise the Lord, you'll know what it is. And when you know what it is, nobody can ever take it away from right. you. Right. It feels so good to get that cargo unloaded. And I'm about ready to get that bill of lading. About ready to bring the amen on this. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to know that I can't do this all the time. If I was to preach next Sunday, you need to come back and think you're going to get some of this or you'll get some of this but you won't get all you got today Woo! I can't live on this plane all the time I'll just be I'll just be honest with you the, the level that I live on is about where a lot of you all live on when I was in Bible school my third year we had a revival my third year I'm closing. It's quarter after 12. Thank you. Thank you so much for staying with me. Thank you so much for staying with me. Some of you are glad you did. I'm not going to hold you much longer. But in my third year, we had a revival. Oh, it was a great revival. After that revival, Dr. Benson, who was president of the Bible College, baptized 52 people. Glory to God. After that, I, I, saw, I saw a young man preparing for the ministry. His name was Bubba Sellers. Bubba Sellers stuttered. Bubba Sellers couldn't hardly say two sentences without making four out of them. I saw Bubba Sellers when he was around the piano when God laid him out in the Spirit. God laid him out. God laid him out. He, 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 he was on a platform about this high. That's the way it is. It was at Holmes Memorial Church. About this high. God just dropped him off of that platform right flat of his back. And I guess for about a half hour, he just had his, he, he, was, he was just laying there in his Feet were sort of moving like this, you know. Legs were moving like this and his hands doing like this. And he was speaking in tongues. Amen. There's power in the tongue. That's why God wants to get hold of your tongue when you get the Holy Ghost because what you say, there's power in what you say. You can curse with your tongue. You can bless with your tongue. And what you say, what you decree, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven because you got to speak it to make it come to pass. You got to utter it. You got to say it. You got to confess it. That's why when you get saved, the Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Billy Graham says, if you're ashamed of confessing before men, then you didn't really get saved. 
But if you got saved, you won't mind telling somebody. You've got to say it with your tongue, with your mouth. You've got, you got to confess it. If you're dealing with the devil, you need to say what Jesus said. Get behind me. Amen. But when I was in Bible college in the third year, Reverend Jimmy Forehand came and held revival for us and he preached out of the book of Timothy. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That's what he preached. Whoo, how long ago has it been? Just like this message right here that I heard riding down the road from the man on radio ministry who's now dead and it impacted my life. I wrote it down in four areas that pride should not be in my life. So I hope somebody got that outline today and I hope Monday you'll be able to tell it to somebody. Uh, I, I didn't add a whole lot to it. But anyway, we learned how to pray different. I learned how to pray different. It got to where we, after that revival, we began, to, we began to do home meetings. And it's like the connect groups that are in churches today because the Sunday schools failed. You know, the Sunday schools failed. So we're trying to get people to do connect groups. And if we're not careful at a while, the connect groups are going to fail. People just get tired. But anyway, we would come together one person would preach Well, we prayed for one and it weren't his, his time to preach, but he ended up preaching anyway. We got two sermons that time. But we learned to pray the first time to get ourselves in the posture that we could really pray and get on target. Because we prayed the first time to get ourselves right. And then we prayed to target that need. And, and, and it's all right to pray two or three times. Elijah prayed seven times before the servant saw that little cloud like a man's hand out there. But that's how we learn how to pray. We learn how to pray different. We learn how to get a hold of God. And the things that we face today, the church needs to learn how to get a hold of God again. We need to learn how to get a hold of God and not let Him go. And we can't afford to let our pride block his blessings from our lives. Right. Now the reason you got this sermon today is because, because we're like that man who said we got trouble in River City. And it starts with a capital T. Well, I want you, and, and, and it's trouble. We got trouble with a capital T. I want you to know we got we got something in the church today that we got to deal with. He's a strong man. That's very strong just as strong as the one that it was first found in. And, and, and when he gets a hold of you, he'll block the blessings of God. He'll mess you up more than you were before. And that's pride. The only answer for pride is humility. And the Bible says, humble yourselves. We often quote, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land and I will forgive their sin. Our land needs healing today. The church needs to humble itself before God and let God enter into it and let Him take hold and let Him be Lord once again. Amen. Would you stand with me? Praise the name of Jesus. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecost Witness Church, a church you can call home with people you can call family. 
Pine Level Pentecostal Adventist Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page, that's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel. Get notifications when we go live. You watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.